Welcome to the Create a Dynasty Podcast. Tonight, the dynasty is born, baby. Where chasing championships never ends. This fantasy football podcast is brought to you by CreatorRank.com. Follow us on Twitter at CreatorRank. And find us on Facebook and YouTube. The road to glory begins now. As we discuss draft strategy, trade advice, and player evaluation to help you create a dynasty. Yes, it's a dynasty. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Creative Dynasty Podcast. We have another great show for you today. I'm your host, Lou, here with Nate and Ben as always. Nate, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, Lou. How are you doing? Doing good, good. What about you, Ben? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. Good. I'm excited for today's podcast. Today, we're gonna our main topic is going to be the startup, a startup draft. It is startup season, so I'm excited to uh, to provide some information. This will be pretty important uh, to set yourself up for dynasty success. No, it is. And speaking of startup, the startups, like we mentioned on the last episode, we at the Creator Rank are starting our own dynasty podcast, and we finally got the positions of where we're drafting out of. You guys want to go ahead and, and let the people know what spot you're drafting out of and what you've done so far. Yeah, no, you can go ahead first. Okay, yeah. So I am picking out of the fifth spot in a 14-team uh, draft. And uh, it looks like, Lou, you're picking fourth, right? Is that check with you? Yeah, I'm right before you. Cool. Yeah, so that'll be good. I'll just snipe each other back and forth. Pretty much. Um, and then I actually made a trade here to move up into the first round. Um, I had an offer presented to me that I give my 2.10 and my 4.10 to move up to the 1.11. So essentially I move up a full round and I give up a fourth round pick, uh, but I get two first round picks there. So in a super flex tight end premium, I'll be able to get two of the top 11 players in the draft. And I'm pretty, uh, pretty excited about that. No, I like that. I mean, with the 14 team league, you could say that you want more depth, but I mean, again, in a 14 team league, having those powerful players could be just as important. Yeah, and it's it's kind of it's odd that uh, like Ben did something very similar. It's like we're brothers and co-owners in a bunch of the leagues. Yeah, yeah. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, all right, I gotta I gotta make a move here. So, what I did was, uh, I'm picking from the 13th spot out of 14. So I'm very close to the wheel and. Honestly, I, I love the wheel but more than I do being in the middle. Um, but I made a trade recently where I traded my second-round pick and my fourth-round pick, so the 202 and the 402, to move up to the 110 and, the, and get the 805 as well in this startup. So I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that trade. I uh, – I think I'll be able to uh, let the board fall to me and take advantage of it when it comes to those picks. Yeah, well, now both of you guys are picking in front of me, so I got to deal with Lou at the 104, and I pick a 105, and then Ben, you moved up, 
after I moved up to the 111, my little brother decides to move up to the 110 to pick in front of me there. So, uh, yeah. thank you, thank you for that, and uh, I will try to uh, try not to get sniped. Yeah, anything to make your life just a little bit more difficult. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a little brother. Yeah, he is definitely. <laughs> it's all right, Ben. I'm the little brother in my in my family. You got to annoy the older ones. Yes, yes, you do. Um, so what do you guys like a quick insight to, you know, the fans quote unquote, what are you guys planning to do with your first picks? Uh, so it is super flex. It is tight end premium. So, and it is 14 teams. So a couple things that I'm thinking about, uh, super flex. I like to have three starting quality quarterbacks that I can roll every week. And my general strategy is to have one stud quarterback one top 12 ish guy and then go get one more that can, one more quarterback and give me some top 12 weeks um, here and there as like a, almost a streamer, how you would with a, a one quarterback league potentially. And then being tight and premium as well. That's going to push uh, like Travis Kelsey, your George Kittle, Zach Ertz, those guys up the board a little bit more, which is going to push down some of the running back the, and, and wide receiver depth. So with my first two picks, man, uh, I'm going to look at the board. I'm going to see uh, what quarterback's available at 105. And if it's not who I want at 105, I'm probably going to have to take a quarterback at 111 just so I, I don't can, miss out. I can guarantee you it's not the quarterback you want at 105. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't want to say it because you're picking fourth, but uh, if Patrick Mahomes is there at 105, I'm going to select Patrick Mahomes. But I so, doubt he makes it five. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. He's not going to make it at 105. <laughs> See, because for me, even in a super flex, I do not make my first pick a quarterback. I even I don't wait as long as a one quarterback league, but I do wait till maybe the fourth. I I I, I just like to wait. But the fact the way this league is set up with one QB, one RB, one wide receiver, one tight end, and then two flex, normally you have a bigger depth as far as the wide receiver and the running back. Right. So being that you really only have to start one, that's making me look at Pat Mahomes at the 104. Yeah, it definitely allows you to, instead of having to draft for immediate depth, uh, like, oh, well, I need, I can't start Robert Woods as my, if I draft him as my fourth wide receiver, I can't start him at my running back too. So you might, ha you might be forced to be like, well, I'm going to take a running back here so I can start him instead of having a, I can't start Robert Woods and rolling him through. So, like you're saying, Louis, it, it, it's something where you're going to get the top player that's going to start each week, and then you're just kind of able to to pick the best player amongst those flex spots and just roll with what you got. Exactly, exactly. Ben, you kind of got the same same plan going? Yeah, I do. I think uh, like the 110, I think I'm going to probably take the best available quarterback. And then at the 113, probably just take the best player available. But uh, – I am actually extremely contemplating doing the uh, zero running back strategy or the zero wide receiver strategy because we only have to start one. So if I can get one decent one and then have my flexes be nothing but stud running backs or vice versa, I'm very, very, very much considering doing that. No, that's, a, that's another good strategy. And we'll get into more detail. That is part of our show today. Yeah, and we're super stoked because there's – no startup is built the same, right? So this one is a little little unique in the fact that you start one quarterback, one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end, two flexes in the super flex. But some of those leagues, you know, like we're talking about, require three wide receivers, four wide receivers, two running backs, two tight ends. So each one's a little bit unique and different. So we'll try to provide insight in it on 
uh, a general level for you guys. Right. So we're going to get into some news, some bargain bin again. And like we said, the startup draft strategy, uh, prospect of the week and the Twitter analysis for rosters. So um, before we get into the news, though, this podcast is brought to you by creatorrank.com, our brand new fantasy football website where you, the fan, can create your own set of customized player rankings. We have a great team putting out content every day in the form of articles, videos, podcasts, and more. We also offer a 20-minute one-on-one chat with our site experts, completely free for 2019. For more, follow us on Twitter at CreatorRank and check us out on Facebook and YouTube. Let's get into the news, gentlemen. So in our last episode, we talked about how Gase really didn't care, or not that he didn't care, but he's not the one who won a Le'Veon Bell. Now, earlier reports is that he's excited about Le'Veon Bell being there because he is on the team, which is kind of what we alluded to last week. Yeah, that's, uh, that's coach speak if I've ever heard it. <laughs> <laughs> so what is he saying here? I think what he's trying to say is, I don't necessarily think he didn't want Le'Veon Bell. I think a lot of teams would want a player like Le'Veon Bell and his ability, but the price tag that comes with it, uh, in, in fantasy football, running backs absolutely matter. Being able to get a high-end running back in the first round absolutely matters on a points-per-game basis and it, the positional advantage you'll have over other teams if you can get one of those elite guys. But in real football, the running back position it keeps diminishing and diminishing because you pay a certain percentage of the cap to one player. It, it kind of – obviously, it hurts the ability to give more money elsewhere and build up other positions that might be more impactful or more important. So uh, I kind of expected uh, Jets interim GM slash head coach Adam Gase to say uh, this after all that news came out so we can kind of try to mend the fences. But it sounds like uh, he, he wanted the player, but he may not have wanted the price tag. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's 100% coach speak and him just being – or him realizing like, oh, what I said before can take him – can be taken way out of context. Yes, I like Le'Veon Bell, when in all reality, like, he likes the guy. He just doesn't like the price tag that they came along with. So I think he's just backtracking a little bit. Yeah. Right. No, I, I agree. So Julian Edelman signs a two-year extension. Do you guys he, think he's a trade candidate, or is he someone you're keeping on your team? Like, so you're asking, is he a trade candidate on my fantasy team or for the Patriots? No, no, for the – for fantasy, for your dynasty team? I personally would buy Julian Edelman uh, in this last couple of years with Tom Brady and just and ring that until you get as much out of it as you can. Because I, I don't know what trade value you're going to necessarily get for a 32-year-old wide receiver who's quarterback. I mean, granted, Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Uh, he doesn't have much room left. So I, I could see him being where just if you got him, hold him, and uh, you should be able to get some solid wide receiver two production this year. So what about for a rebuild team? Stay away. Yeah, I'd flip him. If he's on your team and you're rebuilding, I'd flip him for as much as you can get. And what do you think yeah. you can get for him? For Like you said, he's aging. If, if you're a contender, he's a good wide receiver because he's going to be consistent. Right, yeah. yeah. But if you're trying to trade him away because he may be hurting your team because he may win some a few games here and there. Yeah. Uh, ben, how do you feel about his value in a rebuild. I mean, what would you be trying to get back for Julian Edelman? What would you say, like a 2022nd? Yeah, somewhere in there. Uh, probably a second and or 
If not, probably got to get two thirds or just a young player in return from the contender team. Um, yeah, if you're a hundred percent in a rebuild and he's on your team, I'm throwing him on the block right now and saying, Hey, come get him. And it's, it's going to depend too, because you've got to analyze your league and understand who needs what, if your contender yeah. team that you're trying to trade with is short, a wide receiver too, it's going to obviously be worth more to him than the contender who's short at running back too. So just be aware of what your league is made up of and who owns what, uh, so you can yeah. maximize the value for Julian Edelman. Yeah, and this may be one of those ones where you trade to one of those players who are on that playoff push. They're trying, yeah, yeah. so you, it, it, you may not be able to trade him right now, but stay active throughout the season because you will be able to trade him at some point. Yeah, and that yeah. was something we talked about last week too with uh, Nikhil Harry. Obviously, the Patriots spent a first round pick on him. Uh, but uh, Louie, you alluded to it last week, is that Patriots offense is not something that you just walk into and dominate. Uh, it's something where you're going to have to take your lumps. And if it takes uh, Nikhil Harry a couple weeks to get his legs under him, that value for Julian Edelman should go up while Tom Brady is winning football games by throwing the football to Julian Edelman. Right, and I think that's a good point. I think right now, uh, Ben, you said, if you were to trade him right now, I think you probably could get two-thirds, two-third-rounders out of it. If you wait, I think you can get that second. Yeah, I mean, and if you time it perfectly when he goes off for a big week, you could potentially get a first. But yeah, I mean, that's a reach. But you never know with who's in your league, and yeah, because people would be thinking if they're making that push, they're going to get that back of the round first, anyways, which is still a first. Darius Guys is expected to be ready for training camp. I'm excited to hear. He's I'm a big guys fan, big guys truther, honestly. Um, I have a running joke in one of my leagues that I think Darius Geis is going to be better than Saquon Barkley. And obviously that's not true, but. Well, I mean, that's, it's, it's not a bold statement. I mean, everybody was looking at him being there with Geis is just, he had those video game problems because they didn't think he took the game seriously. Right. And, and you heard about all the pre-draft stuff. I think it was the Philadelphia Eagles about him being immature and all that other. Right. Uh, right. Noise. But it sounds like the Washington Redskins are, are not, a dumb organization. I mean, they went out and signed Adrian Peterson. We talk about being a mentor. Uh, any good running back's going to want to learn and probably will learn something from Adrian Peterson. They just re-signed him, which is a little concerning. But again, we talk about adding that presence in the locker room. Adrian Peterson is the greatest running back I've ever seen play live football before. And I'm not, I, I get to watch Barry Sanders play live and all that stuff, but I've seen Adrian Peterson play live. And that was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. And that's something that Darius guys, I think, can learn and take away small bits here and there, be ready to roll. So I'm super excited. He's ready. He's going to be ready to go for training camp. Yeah, I agree with you, Nate. And also, if that Washington line can stay healthy, it's one of the best in the league. So yeah, they really him broke down behind that line. Yeah, so like him running behind that line is awesome. But this is, you know, it's it's great news. But keeping an ear out for anything that happens to him during training camp and preseason. Yeah, because they went out, like we said, and re-signed Adrian Peterson. Chris Thompson's on the roster. They drafted Bryce Love, who's going to need some time to recover from his injury. But there's a lot of a lot of backs back there. But if I'm picking one I want to draft, I'm drafting Darius guys. Even So for this year, do you expect him to have a big impact this year? Because on another podcast that I have, I kind of call him Stella and Adrian Peters, Stella's mom. Because I feel like really <laughs> a lot of people are going to be – He's going to be taking a lot, some work from guys. Yeah, he should. And uh, hopefully uh, the NFL is a copycat league. And I, I think Washington can see 
what happened to Dalvin Cook when they rushed uh, Dalvin Cook back, when Minnesota rushed Dalvin Cook back. He was good, but he was more susceptible to injury, and he got injured, and he was out, and he was a very frustrating player to own last year. But he's had the whole offseason to rest and recover. Geist tore his ACL last preseason, so he's had he'll have a full calendar year, essentially, by the time training camp rolls around. With Adrian Peterson in the building, there's no need to rush him back. You're not going to take carries away from the better running back, which at this point in their careers I think is Darius Geist. But it, there's no need to rush him on the field. I mean, Adrian Peterson ran for 1,000 yards last year, right? Yep. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. It's just – just watch out. I, I just think he's not going to be that impactful this year as maybe next year. Sure. Yeah, no, I could see I could see fringe running back two, like mid running back three stuff for guys this year as a realistic right. expectation. But uh, that, that we talk about buying uh, what's a good buy window. You might be better off waiting for those first five or six yep. weeks. Yep. Washington slumber on him. Although he can't be that fringe RB2, he could be at the back of the season RB1. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I expect, as long as I can stay healthy. I mean, the kid was electric in college. Uh, I, I think he could really put up some good numbers. Yeah, could be like this year's uh, Nick Chubb. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Get yourself Nick Chubb and, and guys, and you have a RB1 the first half and the second half. <laughs> <laughs> so, big news. Zeke decided he wanted to punk an event coordinator at EDC, yet they're still talking about making him the highest-paid RB running back. How do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I, I think – I mean, it's just tough because you can't tell if he was intoxicated, but it, it's a, it is another off-season event that is bringing him into some negative spotlight. Do you see a suspension coming? If they suspend him, they don't suspend Tyreek Hill. I will stop watching football. I don't think that there's a. I don't think there's a suspension coming. I, the video, to me, kind of looked like he bumped the dude, and everybody was just kind of off balance. I mean, Zeke's a, a big, thick dude, and uh, it, it's not a good look. Don't get me wrong; I'm not condoning it at all. But I don't. I think it's it's not as bad as people are making it seem. No, he bumped into him. It's just because he's a football player. I mean, if you looked at the video, his, Zeke's arms look bigger than his than the guy's head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean the the gate being right there too, falling as well. Like that adds a little bit of extra dramatic effect, and it's an unfortunate situation. But uh, I think I don't think there'll be a suspension coming from it. Me neither. But like, if you're Zeke, you just gotta sit down and you gotta figure your life out, man. Like this is twice you've gone out partying and twice you've done and done something that you shouldn't have uh, either it's the people that are in his life that he needs to just like trim the fat out on or he just needs to learn that oh hey i'm in this situation i need to walk away i'm very important to the dallas cowboys i can't do this right no i agree and it's, the dallas cowboys are great and all but there's a lot of young kids that look up to what zeke does uh, being a dallas yeah. cowboy being an nfl superstar that there's a better uh a better, he could be a better person for those kids and be a better role model for the community. Yeah, but, but you know, when you're young like that, I don't think you think like that. You're just trying to have fun. Sure, and that, that's what separates the good from the great. You know, you talk about yeah. Walter Payton, uh, Barry Sanders, those guys. You don't really see them getting – I mean, those are the elite of the elite, but uh, Ezekiel Elliott's up there in yards per game in NFL history. 
uh, rushing yards per game in NFL history uh, with those guys. So it's just kind of one of those things where do you want to be in that group or you always want to be outside of it because you can't handle yourself? I agree. Yep. Like, like you guys said earlier, um, it wasn't, it didn't look that bad at the end of it, but I personally do see, so, sorry, excuse me. I do see like a one to two game only because this is not his first incident. Yeah, if this was I, his first incident, maybe a fine. Yeah, I could see that. Being a Lions fan, Ben and I are all too familiar with uh, the Dominican Sue back in the day. Uh, it, would, it would do something that another player could have done, but because he's the Dominican Sue and he's had prior issues, it was elevated. I'm not sure uh, where he's at officially on like the NFL punishment schedule, but yeah, you could be right. Yeah, no, definitely agree with that. I could probably see a game or two, if not just a very, very stiff fine. Yeah, fourth, sixth, sixth game suspensions like the last time. I don't see that happening, but I can see one to two. A conduct detrimental to the NFL or something like that. So. Yeah. All right, guys. This is the bargain bin. Bargain bin. All right, so for this week's bargain bin, I have two wideouts and two running backs. So let's jump into the wideouts first. I got Curtis Samuel versus A.J. Brown, where – Curtis Samuel is being drafted an ADP of 129 and wide receiver 53 or round 10 pick nine. And uh, he was averaging per game 13 points per game. But if you guys all remember correctly, his week 12 to week 17, he exploded uh, with numbers, catches, his snap count was always in the uh, high 80s to 90s, whereas before it never hit the 30s. Um, then versus A.J. Brown, who is getting picked at an ADP of 86, wide receiver 36, and it's going around in round eight, pick two. And my personal opinion on this is I would take Curtis Samuel over A.J. Brown because, A, it's a two-round difference, and, B, A.J. Brown hasn't played an NFL snap yet, um, will be the number three target behind Corey Davis, and Delaney Walker at the start of the season. And Mariota isn't that great. And that offense is more, we're going to run the ball, and then we might throw it, then we're going to run it some more. So I'll take Curtis Samuel over A.J. Brown, in my opinion. That's fair. I think, personally, I think I lean A.J. Brown, as long as, my, as long as I understand what I'm doing. Um, Rookie wide receivers are very hard to project year one. So Curtis Samuel has done it in the NFL. He's shown he can do it. Um, he has another weapon in this offense at wide receiver uh, with DJ Moore. He's got Curtis, I'm sorry, uh, Christian McCaffrey in the backfield and Cam Newton. So there's a bunch of weapons on that offense. But personally, I think I lean A.J. Brown uh, just because I think A.J. Brown might be a more talented wide receiver than Corey Davis. I know – that Delaney Walker is getting up there in age. And we talked about it on episode one, that this is make or break for Mariota. Either he hits and A.J. Brown's stock goes up or he misses and the Titans draft a quarterback and A.J. Brown's stock goes up. So that's kind of how I lean, but that's just my personal preference. I don't think you're really making a bad decision either way. No, not at all. And Nate, I actually tend to lean your way just because in a dynasty, especially at this spot, I'm looking at what could be for the future, not what is maybe this season. Yeah, right. And it, it, like you said, it's dynasty. So um, if this is redraft, I'm taking Curtis Samuel every time, but it's not. It's it's uh, 
it's dynasty. So I will take the risk, assuming I've built my wide receiver core a certain way before this, where I can wait a little bit. And I, I think I'll take it. Uh, I mean, the only reason why I'm like really leaning Samuel is year three in the NFL usually means to be like big production levels. And I can get that now with Curtis Samuel, or I can wait another three years for AJ Brown. So I, uh, if I can do that and get more depth piece for two more rounds, maybe, you know, if I'm slacking on running back or if I haven't got my tight end yet in the eighth and ninth round, I can do that. And then I can take my wide receiver who will be my flex play. And he's going to year three where he really killed it at the end of the year. So he could possibly, you know, carry that forward into the 2019 season. No, he very well could. And like, for me, I, I think they drafted DJ Moore to be the guy. But Curtis Samuel could very well be the guy to take over. Yeah, I like it. Uh, all right. So my other one is the running backs. And I have Aaron Jones versus Tariq Cohen. A little NFC North matchup. Interesting, yeah. So Aaron Jones is drafting at an ADP of 33, uh, RB14, and going around the third round, 10th pick. And on a per-game basis, he was scoring around 14.3 points a game while playing 12 games and he finishes running back 24 uh, while only playing 12 games. If then Tariq Cohen is getting drafted an ADP of 54 RB 23 or around round five pick seven. Uh, he is going at a 14.6 points per game, mostly because of his receiving numbers, but that's his role in Chicago's offense. So, in this matchup right here, I would go with Treat Cohen because it's two rounds later and he's scoring you more points per game and in a better offense. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, man, it, especially in a PPR format. Uh, I'll take Tariq Cohen. Uh, yeah, they drafted David Montgomery, but he, David Montgomery cannot do the things Tariq Cohen could do as well. Like David Montgomery can catch the ball. Tariq Cohen is, is very, very good at, at uh, catching the ball and being open in space because I think – you compare Tariq Cohen with DJ Moore, you know, uh, Aaron Jones going 33, DJ Moore going 37, uh, Cooper Cup going 40. Um, you know, maybe Brandon Cooks makes it to you. He's going to pick 28. So if I could grab one of those guys and pair him with Tariq Cohen, I'd feel a lot better about that. And the Green Bay offense is yet to be seen what they're going to do um, with the new OC, Aaron Rodgers getting towards the end of his career. Uh, not that he's declining at all, but, It'll be interesting to see how that Green Bay offense goes and what they want to do. But give me Cohen here. So I'm going to have to disagree with you guys just for for my philosophy because, I mean, you have a guy who is 5'6", 181 pounds, and then a guy who is uh, 5'9", 208. I see your guys' point. I really do. I just feel like Aaron Jones can be a three-down back versus Tyreek. You know what he's going to do. Sure. I don't disagree with you, man. I think Aaron Jones, if he's given the run, Aaron Jones could have a top 12, top 15, top like uh, season for the next, you know, three years or so. I just, there's a lot of question marks to me, whether he can provide that receiving floor that Tariq Cohen does each week. No, I, I agree with that. It's just, I, I think for me, I'm willing to take the chance on what Aaron Jones, well, what we predict Aaron Jones can do. Yeah, and it's a good offense, too. We talked about this before as well. You want running backs in good offenses, and the Packers offense was historically bad last season for what Aaron Rodgers has done and his touchdown numbers and all that stuff. 
So seeing them uh, having a, a slight rebound this year, I would imagine uh, Rogers and the touchdown numbers come back up a little bit. So I think that that bodes well for Aaron Jones. Sorry, my only real concern is will they give Aaron Jones like will they let him off the, that leash, or will they always hold him tight to the leash like they have been? Well, and that's a concern with Cohen as well, though, right? Because are they going to let him run the ball, or is it going to turn into a situation where, hey, Cohen's on the field, the defense has schemed it up, and they're going to go? Does he get phased out a little bit? Because Montgomery, you, you don't really know if they're going to run or throw with David Montgomery in the field. You know, if Cohen's on the field, it's probably a pass. So, yeah, I think I think Montgomery has a, has a better chance of beating out Cohen than Williams has a better has a chance of beating out Jones. I agree. Yeah, yeah no, I'm not. I'm not arguing that point. I'm arguing the point of like Green Bay sticking with their running back by committee or, you know, just Tree Cohen and David Montgomery. That's it. Yeah, either way. Very I possible. I don't think you're going wrong with either one of these picks. I think it's a, that's a solid question to ask. All right, guys, you ready? <sighs> Let's do this. All right, so I'm going to break – we're going to break this uh, draft strategy down by, by some topics I want to ask you guys. So let's throw out the creator rank one just because that's a little different. But in your normal league, one QB, two running back, two wide receiver, one tight end, and then one or two flex, just depending on if people have defense. But we're, we're not going to do defense because defense suck in uh, <laughs> Dynasty. <laughs> so with this type of setup, do you guys have a strategy for where you pick? So – whether you pick in the early rounds, the mid rounds, or the late rounds, uh, I've been mentioned it a little bit before, but I like I like picking on the wheel because you're able to get. When I say the wheel, I mean at the end of the round, either right at the beginning or right at the end. Because let's say you're picking it's a 12 team league, you pick 12. Generally, it's a snake draft, so you pick 12 for the 13th. So now I have two of the top 13 picks in the draft, versus if I'm picking, let's call it fourth. You know, I have an, a top four pick, and then I got to wait all the way until the 208 or 209, whatever that. Sorry, I'm not real good with numbers, but I think it's a 209 that you'd have to wait for. So now you wait all that time to get your second player versus I can pick the 12th and 13th best player right away. So as close as I can be to that swing, I want to be there. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, Nate. If uh, I'd rather be picking at the, you know, 111, 112, or the 102 or 101. Uh, anywhere in the middle kind of sucks because, like, yeah, like Nate said, you get a top five talent, but then you have to wait, you know, 20 more picks, and then it's your turn. And then so, you have to wait a little bit shorter. So let's say you guys are picking in the front. What do you get? What position are you guys looking to draft? Uh, so and does it change if you pick in the back of the room? Yeah, so we're assuming PPR is what, what you said. Yeah, yeah, let's go PPR. Okay, so – I still think if you're in the top four or five picks, you have to take a running back and get one of those bell cows, your Kamara, your Christian McCaffrey, your Saquon Barkley, your Ezekiel Elliott, those type of guys. Um, and then as you push more towards the back of the round, I think you start seeing guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham, Mike Thomas. You see those guys start to come in the mix at about pick seven through ten-ish. And after that, it's really just kind of ping-ponging for me back and forth, like uh, Melvin Gordon, Mike Evans. Todd Gurley in the early second round, stuff like that. Uh, David Johnson's another name where you could – they start to level out. But if I'm picking early in a dynasty startup, I want a uh, running back in that top five. What about the argument of uh, wide receiver having longer careers? Does that make a difference? 
It, it does. Uh, for me, like I said, I want to take one of those top five guys in the top five from there. And then my next strategy is I'm going to kind of wait a little bit on running back two, knowing that I can address running back two in uh, my rookie drafts is where I'm going to start targeting those secondary backs. It doesn't mean I'm going to punt it completely and be starting Benny Snell as my running back two, but it, it means that I'm going to take Ezekiel Elliott at number four or three or whatever, and then I'm going to attack the wide receiver position back to back to back, go with like a Stefan Diggs, maybe an Amari Cooper, something like that in the two, three, where now I feel a little bit better about the longevity of their career while still gaining a positional advantage at running back early. What about you, Ben? No, I agree with, uh, with most of what Nate said, but if, again, if I'm picking in the top five, yeah, you got to go, you got to go running back. You got to go McCaffrey, Kamara, et cetera. Um, but then in the second and third rounds and all that, it, I mean, your second round pick, if you go running back, for me, you kind of have to go wide out, especially if you're in the top five, uh, just because of the talent drop-off that's going to happen between when you pick and when you pick again. Uh, then on that third pick, it's really up to you. So if, you know, a good wide out, like, fell to you, by all means, take it. A good running back fell to you, by all means, take it. Do one of those two at the best player available. Uh, don't reach for a tight end in round three, um, possibly in round four, if that's like a Travis Kelsey falls to you. But other than that, I would just keep on stacking up your running backs and wideouts. Yeah, you know, and, and I would like to say um, that you get your wide receiver, but whether you're, you're in redraft or dynasty, RBs are the same. If you can get that top running back, you have a big advantage. Yeah, definitely. And uh, as much as like you'd like to pick a Juju Smith-Schuster, he's super young, and you can just plug in, play him, done. You don't ever have to worry about drafting a wide receiver one again. It's like I, I could do that, but the the ability to gain each week, it's about how many more points did my running back one score than his running back one. And if you can keep that gap bigger and bigger each time, that's going to allow you to win games and be more flexible in other spots. No, you're right. It just and like it's philosophy. So when it comes down to consistency. I rem- if you guys remember, I put together a consistency chart, right? Yeah. Yep. I like that a lot. So, so with the running backs, a running back one that's playable, running back one or running back two, a running back is playable 81% of the time. Their bust rate, which is a running back three to me or lower, is 19%. To where a wide receiver, 64% of the time is playable, which is a wide receiver one or wide receiver two. The wide receiver, and this is on a weekly basis, wide receiver three, 36% of the time. So it's just you have more of a consistent team if you can lock down that top running back. Right. And we've talked about it before with like taking roster constructions, taking those, those high variability flexes. I don't think we've mentioned any of these high variability flexes being running backs. I know specifically we've talked about uh, DK Metcalf and Hollywood right, Brown. And right, right. So and you're hitting the nail on the head. If you want to add, you want to, you want to be stable at top and then in your flex spots, you can add some of that. Like, okay. Yeah. Just, mind you top five running backs. Yeah. 92% of the time. Exactly. All right. So let's say um, when you're drafting, how do you guys draft? You guys draft just by looking at a basic ranking or do you guys try to draft in tiers and by tiers, um, you have your running backs, your tier one, let's say it's, well, now let's say it's going to be, Saquon, Zeke, who else do you guys have in there? Uh, I throw Kamara in there personally, and uh, Christian McCaffrey. 
Yep, Christian McCaffrey. So that's tier one. The other running backs would be tier two, and then same thing with wide receiver. You have Hopkins. I mean, you just depending on on what you like, but Hopkins, OBJ, Devonte Adams, Devonte Adams, uh, Michael Thomas, and then the ones below that is wide receiver too. So, how, what do you guys look at? So, for me personally, uh, early in my fantasy football career, I fell into the trap and let ESPN work and um, going off of their Q list, which is not the greatest. I don't know exactly how those guys produce their list, but I suggest that you take the time and you. There's, there's plenty of tools out there. Excel sheet, actually, we're going to have a tool on the website, create a rank to go ahead and throw your rankings up there and uh, decide who you want where. And so I draft in tiers when I draft because it allows me to see if something is worth a trade, if I can make a move. Because if I have, if I'm okay with a player in tier three and there's six players there that I like in tier three and a dude offers me or a dude or, I'm sorry, Somebody offers me a trade to move back five spots. I know I'm still going to get a player in my tier and I'm going to gain whatever capital that they just traded me to move up. So I kind of draft in tiers just to make sure I'm still getting value and potentially gaining more draft capital later. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, it's smart. It's something that I do as well um, because, again, me and Nate co-own teams and have been for a long, long time. But another thing I like is, and it's, like kind of harder to do in the earlier rounds, but in rounds like six and beyond, you can kind of tell like, Hey, this is where, you know, this person is going to draft. If they're going to draft a running back wide out or a quarterback, just based on what their roster is. So you can kind of like base your picks around that. Let's say you're picking at the five spot and the guy in front of you at the four spot has been going wide receiver heavy and he's up to pick next. And so you can kind of like tell that, Hey, he's going to go running back here and you can, you know, base your, your picks off of that. So you can either, you know, try to move up ahead of him to go get the running back that you want before he picks it. Or, you know, you can move back and based on other teams behind you, if, you know, they don't need a running back or a wide receiver, you can move back behind those teams and, gain that capital and still get the player you want and, you know, your separate tiers that you have and you made. Right. That's smart. The only thing I will, I've been burned by that once or twice. It is not too common because uh, there are, is some hesitancy to trade startup picks, uh, but one of the, I've been, I've been burned because I'm like, man, this guy hasn't drafted a quarterback yet. It's super flex. He has to take a quarterback here and he ended up trading out to some. So I'm sitting there eyeballing a running back, the pick right after that. I'm like, cool. I'm going to get my guy. I'm going to get my guy. I'm good. Well, he trades out and a different team moves up who already has a quarterback. So I'm like, ah, so yeah, I'm getting sniped on that. That's very, very rarely does that happen, but that's a, that's a very solid strategy. Ben. It's trying to figure out what do these other teams have around me? What can I expect? Who's going where? Who needs what? And that way you can decide, you know what? I do need to move up. Like I've been drafted wide receiver heavy. So are the two teams in front of me. I need to get ahead of these two guys. How am I going to do that? No, those are good points. And like you said, Ben, um, I think tiers is more beneficial later in the rounds more than in the beginning because, I mean, you really at the beginning, you can just kind of go based on rankings and what you like. But those tiers, I think, are more beneficial later in the rounds. Yeah, for sure. Because once you're at the top, you know, really, like, are we really going to be splitting hairs between Saquon Barkley and Zeke Elliott? You're probably yeah, exactly. Exactly. Either one of those guys. So it's not like, <laughs> you know, each week you're not going to tell me Saquon's going to outscore Zeke every week. It's going to flip-flop back and forth. They're going to be within 20 points at season's end. 
So yeah, like you're saying, Lou, you probably have like a top 20 list that you're rolling with and then you got to your top of that. So. Yep. So next, and probably the most, the most, the funnest thing about Dynasty is trading startup picks. So is there a strategy that you guys in taking uh, in trading for picks as far as, because so in Dynasty, you have two different ways of drafting. You draft with rookies already in it, or you do two separate drafts, one with the players that are existent in the NFL and then with the rookies. So is there any strategies you guys do with the startups and with rookie picks? Ben, why don't you cover the, uh, the rookies having a separate draft? I know you're really into that. Yeah, I'm more of a fan of like having your startup draft with all the vets and then having your rookie draft. Um, personally, because uh, you can kind of like punt a position. So let's say you're picking, you know, number 12 out of 12 on your team and hopefully your rookie draft order is going in reverse. So if you pick 12, you have the number one pick in the rookie draft. So you can kind of use that knowledge to be like, okay, hey, I know I'm guaranteed a Josh Jacobs and Nikhil Harry, or if it's super flex, a Kyler Murray. So I can kind of punt my, you know, running back two or my wide receiver three and build up my uh, depth in other areas. But I, I also get the reasoning for having rookies in your startup draft. So that doesn't happen. And Nate, you can cover that more. Yeah, no, I kind of I agree with you, Ben. Where I like that, uh, and some of the startups we ran were before the NFL draft, which I think do not, do not, do not have your rookie drafts before yeah. the NFL draft. Do not draft rookie no. before the NFL draft. Things change. Keen Butler was in the talk to be the one hundred and one, and now he's falling into the mid to late round of rookie drafts. Do not, do not be the guy that spends the one hundred and two on Keen Butler when you could have gotten him for the two hundred and six. Um, yeah. I will say adding the rookies into your total startup draft um, is a game all in itself. You have to be aware, like we talked about a little bit earlier with AJ Brown, it's going to take those guys a little bit to break out. So uh, drafting them a little bit higher could hurt you in the short term, but it might help you in the long run. But you can't forget about the rookies either, because if you go and just get a whole bunch of vets, now you have nothing on the up and coming and, and you're stable, ready to go in a year or two when, you know, you could draft an all Sean Jeffrey, now who's probably got a year left of good football before it really starts to go downhill. And if you don't have anybody to come in and step in and replace him, you're immediately back to square one where you're depending on a rookie wide receiver in the 2020 class to replace a starter for you. So how do you guys feel about trading in those drafts? Do you guys usually, are you guys usually the aggressor in trading or do you wait for someone to come to you with the trade? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it depends. Uh, I hate I hate that answer, but it depends. Um, you gotta know you gotta try to know your league mates. You gotta try to know what they want, how their roster construction is looking, and uh, I would say make a deal if it makes sense for you. Uh, sometimes it's gonna fall on your lap, but you should always be trying to figure out, hey, this is dynasty. So what what move can I make to make me better now? What move can I make to make me better next year and the year after that? And so on. So only you really know your team and you know, the blueprint you have. So if that's going to include, hey, I need player X or player Y or pick this, like, then go ahead and try to make that move and, and be aggressive. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm more conservative when it comes to trading my starter picks only because sometimes it can hurt you in the long run. So like with the trade I did in our creator ranked dynasty league, I, I gave up my second and my fourth. So now I'm, I'm out of the second round and I'm out of the fourth round. 
So I have a long wait on both of those from the third and the fifth. So I could potentially miss out on, you know, a player that I wanted or have to go up and trade up and waste more capital to do that. But again, like Nate said, uh, it's dynasty. Everything is available. Go ahead and, you know, make your trades, make our, make feelers, send out everything you can. And if it's right for you and you feel good about it, by all means, pull the trigger. But no one can decide that besides you. Right. No. And even though, like, for example, Ben, you said, cause I, I did kind of recently did a trade like that too, where it made me feel uncomfortable. I gave up a 2021st, a second round and the third round pick for the 102. And I ended up getting Zeke and then I got Juju in the 1.8. And then within the draft, I traded Juju for Devante uh, Freeman Jimmy G, and then a 2020 first. This is Superflex, right? Superflex, yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a super, that's a solid move, man. Yeah, so, so even, though, even though if you do something at the beginning, it's, it's a long draft. That's the fun part of Dynasty. You can always trade. Now, now, in mind for that, what do you guys feel about, let's say, for example, you're doing a draft with the rookies in it. How do you guys feel about trading uh, and asking for a friend? A 2020 first to get into the first round of your startup draft. That's totally fair. But I think we talked about this before too. We try to talk about it with prospect of the week is understanding what that's going to be. What is that pick worth? Um, looking at the 2018 class, I think you wanted to try to get your hands on Saquon Barkley, right? And so if you're doing a startup and somebody's going to throw in a 2018 one, you know, you had at least a lottery ticket potential to get Saquon Barkley, who is the most often the one-on-one in all of these formats. So, understanding what that is worth. And so we're trying to do on this podcast is help you guys understand what these picks are and who they could potentially be to see if it is actually worth it for you. Yeah. See, for me, I think I approach it a little differently. I don't mind giving up the 2020. Yes, I do understand. And that's one thing, you have, like you said, Nate, you have to understand what you're giving up. Right. I know I'm giving up a possible Saquon Barkley in 2020, but if that's my plan, then let's say Saquon Barkley decides he wants to stay in college another year. Right. Yeah. No. I know that in a startup draft, I'm getting somebody for that 2020. Yeah. And, and it's <sighs> draft picks bust at, at pretty, pretty large rates, alarming rates. So if you can get a bona fide stud in the NFL now who has done it and shown you has done it, I would make that trade every time over again. If you're asking me if I want to, like I think your your deal, dude, with a one, two, and a three for 2020 to move up and get Zeke. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And then you were able to recoup the one uh, by trading Juju later for in Superflex a um, a quarterback and another first round pick. Like, I think that's solid, man. Well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, just on the creator draft, we'll be okay. <laughs> um. All right. When you guys are drafting, does age play a factor? In a, in a startup draft for you guys. So for, just for example, let's say at the, in the second round, you have James Conner and David Johnson. David Johnson is going at the 2.6, so the second round, uh, second round with the sixth pick. James Conner, second round with the ninth pick. Conner is 24. David Johnson is 27. Uh, yeah, I mean, Ben, I know you and I were in a startup that we were not co-owning, and you, you kind of – took a whack at this what did you what did you find um 
I'm kind of confused on what you're talking about there. But last year we had a startup, <laughs> you and I, in the league. It was one quarterback. Right? You just you elected to go with a lot of younger guys, right? Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. So in that draft, I elected to go, which in hindsight, you know, it's 2020. I elected to go with young, young, promising talent that I thought would do well in years to come. So year one was very, very rough for me. But year two is looking a little bit more promising because I have guys like DJ Moore, Pettis, Allen Robinson, Alvin Kamara, Carson Wentz, all on my team because I kind of forewent the, you know, the older players to go get those younger guys. But um, it, age does play a factor in most draft picks that I do make, but only if that age is around like 28 to 29. Because once they hit like 30, their value decreases rapidly unless they're a quarterback. And that's my big thing when it comes to like age and football players. What about like, for example, this example with the running backs, David Johnson and James Conner. Like for me, I have David Johnson ranked higher in a redraft, but James Conner, you can use them for a lot more years. You're, you're not wrong, but you can still have James or uh, David Johnson for two, three years, and then you could potentially sell him during the offseason, you know, to either get another stud player or to get a pick for him. And while I agree, you know, James Conner is younger and you get, you know, six years before he's 30 instead of three years, it's all the variables of looking three plus years ahead in Dynasty can kind of mess you up if you slip up somewhere because that's a long line of variables you have to get perfect for it to work out right i think something that we talk about a little bit in the dynasty community is a three-year window finding players that can help you for a three-year window that doesn't mean throw away the fourth year or the fifth year but that means hey if i gotta make a move like this specific instance with james connor and david johnson i lean david johnson here yes he's 27 i have him for 27 28 and 29 for my next three-year window of, of trying to win a championship. And, hey, you know, if the 29 season rolls around and my team is not contending, I'll sell him because he's got another year left um, and I might be able to get good value for him in return. Yeah, and then you can even subtract a year off, they say, the tires because he was injured for a whole year, not with his knees, not with his feet, but with his wrist. So, so he has a little bit less tread on the tires, so to say. Yeah, no, for sure. He's not. Kind of goes into the uh, that whole Tom Brady thing. Like he's 42 now, but he didn't play his first yeah. So it's just somewhere extends the career. Aaron Rodgers, same way. So right, no, I, I agree, and, and I would go David Johnson in this sense too. So now let's say, for example, these guys are going a little further apart than each other. You have a Julian Edelman, and now by this time you've already pretty much established your starting lineup. So and and. In this case, you may start to reach. So, and I, and I picked this guy because I think we all like him. So, Julian Edelman with the 11th round three pick at age 33, or Debo Samuels in the 15th round with the ninth pick at age 23. Yeah, it's that, that quintessential uh, what, what are you trying to do? What is your team built up like? Because Julian Edelman is going to give you that one to two year window. We talk about rookie wide receivers needing some time to develop. I can hang on to Julian Edelman for a year or two and while Debo Samuel sit on my taxi squad or, you know, I, I'm waiting for him to become more consistent in the offense. I mean, for all we know, Debo Samuel could show up and be the man. But 
from a purely historical perspective, it's going to take a rookie wide receiver some time to get his feet under him in the NFL. So having a player like Julian Edelman on your team that you could flex, I mean, like you're saying, the 11th round, you've already got your starters. Uh, Edelman's a guy you could use for something and, and, and plug and play for bye weeks, or he might even reach a wide receiver three type potential for your lineup versus Debo Samuel is going to take a little bit of time. I think if you can have uh, your roster figured out by that point, if round 11 rolls around, you feel good about your wide receiver depth, I don't see a need to uh, reach. Like if I'm picking, if you're making me pick one at 11.3, I got to choose Edelman or Debo. I would take Debo there. Um, in this instance, I, like I said, I try to get both of these guys if I could, but you know what your lineup looks like by round 11, and I would go youth if you think you have enough wide receiver depth to allow Debo Samuels to sit for a little bit. Yeah. So I agree with Nate where by round 11, you should know if your team is a going to be a contender for the title or is going to have a rough year based on, you know, like you reach for a few picks or uh, you got sniped multiple, multiple times. So if it's at the point where, you know, like you're not feeling good about your team, by all means, you know, take the younger talent, you know, take your lumps as you're going through the season but if you feel like, you know, like you're having a kill, you're killing this draft, by all means, add Edelman. Go for that title. But just know that Edelman might retire in a year or two. So you got to have a backup plan for that. Right. So I guess we can, we can agree that when it comes to age, it does matter, but it's not everything. The picture is your roster and how it's constructed. Right. Yes. All right. And last, last quick topic. In a 2QB league, because people do play in them, What's your strategy with quarterbacks? Are you drafting early or later? Uh, you got to kind of ride the wave. So I think in a must-start 2QB league, my philosophy is to get a stud quarterback, to get a relatively top 12 quarterback, and then another guy who I can use as a streamer, potentially a bi-week filler. Um, but you don't want to miss. Uh, I was in a league where it was super flex, so it was similar to two quarterback where Joe Flacco went to the fourth round because the run on quarterback started at the end of round one, early round two, and nobody wanted to miss on their guy. And so if you're in a 12-team league, and a good strategy, I think, is trying to have three quarterbacks. That's 36 teams. There's only 32 starting NFL quarterbacks. And so somebody's going to be short a third quarterback. And so trying to it, – it, it's very draft-specific. Yeah, and I yeah. agree with that. I mean, I, I usually like to wait, but – just for example, I won a league last year with Aaron Rodgers, Big Ben, and Blake Bortles. Nice, Blake the Snake, baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, this year <laughs> I only have Aaron Rodgers and Big Ben as my quarterbacks. And in a in a startup, well, even either way, in a dynasty league with a two QB, guys tend to hold on to their QBs, and you don't want to be like you said in the with the Flacco as your first quarterback. No, that's crazy because, like, speaking of Joe Flacco, like, he's going for on a dynasty trade calculator, he's going for like a, a late first round pick in 2020, which is absolutely absurd. But, like, that's just how. Yeah, I, I, I did that for it because I needed a quarterback. So, in another league, I got Nick Foles for the 111. Yeah. And that's, that's the, the crazy part about two quarterback superflex. It levels that playing field a little bit because there are only so many starting quarterbacks in the NFL and only so many that can give you fantasy relevant weeks consistently. So it's hard to, that's a hot commodity. So if you get your hands on it, you got to try it. You have any final thoughts on the draft strategy? Um, as far as 2QB, you know, it's always trying to figure out when the wave is going to begin and try to get ahead of it. I know that's 
easier said than done, but it's something that you got to like pay attention to. And another one is, is try to acquire rookie picks now instead of waiting until February when the combine or February, April, when, you know, those rookie picks really, really, really start to pick up in value. Right. Yeah. I would yeah. agree with you. I think that's something. Try to get all those picks now. Like you can't move back a couple spots, just pick up capital as you can. But other than that, I think we covered a lot of it. So in essence, try to start the wave rather than be at the back of the wave. Yeah, you want to be in the yeah. first couple first couple picks there. Yeah. All right, guys. And and I mean that's pretty much it for our draft strategy. If anyone has any other questions, contact us via Twitter. We will respond. And you know, that's a good opportunity to plug. Ben, where can they find you? At Ben Dred's FF. Nate? At FF Big Cat. And me, One King FFB. And before we get into our prospect of the week, I want to take a moment to tell our listeners about a fully customizable podcast service offered right on creatorrank.com. Brought to you by the guys at CPMC. This service offers a fully customizable podcast for your fantasy football league. They will evaluate rosters, give power rankings, do mock drafts, give out draft grades, suggest trades, preview playoffs, and anything else for your league needs. Find them on Twitter and CPMC Podcast at CPMC Podcast and createarake.com slash product slash CPMC. And I'm actually working with these guys to see if they can do a league for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's an awesome service. I highly recommend it. Yeah, and it's only because I know I have the best team and I, I want everybody else to hear it. Well, yeah, that's that's why I did mine too. <laughs> and now the prospect of the week of the week. All right, prospect of the week. We were talking a little bit about some superflex stuff today. I thought it was especially relevant with uh, us talking about the creator rank uh, dynasty startup going on here. So prospect of the week. Look at a quarterback this time, Justin Herbert. Uh, senior from Oregon. Everybody wants to talk about Tua Tagovailoa. I'm sorry, Bailoa and uh, Jake Fromm from Georgia. But Herbert was one of the hottest prospects coming out of uh, projected to be in the 2019 class. He ended up deciding to go back to school for his senior year and uh, should see himself catapult up the boards in the 2020 class. He is a big dude. He is like six 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 two thirty. Very He's actually pretty athletic for what for his size and frame. Uh, he was the full-time starter last year for the first time as a junior. He played in all 13 games and some key stats that he's, he's across his career. Uh, he's thrown for over 7,000 yards in just 29 games. That's good for 8.2 yards per attempt. He's thrown for 63 touchdowns, only 17 interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 151.3. Which is pretty dang good for only 30 games. Yeah, for 30 games, so over two touchdowns a game uh, is pretty good. Uh, teams that he might end up slipping to. It's kind of a weird landscape right now in the NFL with a lot of teams getting their guy either last year in the 2018 draft or this year in the 2019 draft. That we're looking at teams like Detroit, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, New England, Miami, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Chargers and Oakland, and a lot of those teams are contenders but have older quarterbacks. So seeing a guy of his caliber end up going to one of these better teams, let's say it's uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, you know, they have a lot of good stuff 
in that offense. And they're not going to, they're going to be picking in the 20 to 32 range where Herbert might not be the first quarterback off the board, but a lot of these teams that are going to finish poorly don't necessarily need quarterbacks at, the time, at this time. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. But Herbert can find himself in a very nice spot on a very decent roster and can produce uh, pretty early. Yeah, that's, that's pretty big. 29 games with a little over 7,000 yards. Yeah, so he's still got another year left. Um, I mean, he threw for over three grand last year, so he'll probably finish with over 10,000 yards in his career, which is pretty impressive. Does he provide rushing yeah. yards? Yeah, so his rushing stats uh, – let me scroll through his rushing stats. He last year had 71 carries for 166 yards and two touchdowns. But across his career, uh, he's got 510 yards rushing and nine total touchdowns. So, not bad. Yeah, across 30 games, he's got you know nine touchdowns. Is not bad. So uh, enough of a floor to, to keep the defense honest. And, and this guy was talked about being the you know 101 ahead of Kyler Murray and ahead of Dwayne Haskins before he said or before he returned back to Oregon. So yep, yep. yep. So we'll see. We'll see what he decides to do. He has to come out after this year, but uh, another good strong year for him should catapult him into the first round. All right, guys, let's get into our roster analysis. Okay, for the roster analysis, uh, this week we ended up choosing Berserka 88, uh, and it looks like it's a one-quarterback PPR league. And so he's starting Kirk Cousins, a quarterback, David Johnson and Ito Smith at running back, Juju Smith-Schuster, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Galladay at wide receiver, Austin Hooper at tight end. He's got uh, Corey Davis and Sterling Shepard in his flex and notable depth pieces – uh, he's got Peyton Barber, Damian Harris, David Montgomery on the bench at running back. He's got Taylor Gabriel on the bench at wide receiver. And his backup tight end is Herb Smith. He lacks 2020 capital. Um, he's only got a 2023rd fourth, no first or second round pick. So looking at some of the moves that he could make uh, when Ben and I were looking through his roster, uh, we were thinking potentially because he needs that running back to – uh, taking Corey Davis and Ido Smith and sending it to P.C. Ordy, P. P. Cordy, I think, um, for Marlon Mack. Um, P. Cordy does not look like he actually – he's got decent depth at running back, but giving him another wide receiver, throwing his flex, and Ido Smith, I, I recommend you cash out on Corey Davis at this point in time and just try to get that solid running back two back so you can have a little more flexibility. Ben, what do you think? Uh-huh. Uh, another trade that me and you came up with, Nate, was uh, trade Corey Davis and your 2023 to D-Lock 20 uh, for Sony Michelle. And looking at D-Lock 20's team, his uh, his wide receivers, they're, they're good, but they're very old. He has uh, A.J. Green as his wide receiver two, and I believe it was Sammy Watkins as his wide receiver three. And... Uh, just nothing else behind that. So giving up Corey Davis, try to cash out, cash out on him and give up a little bit of your 2023 capital for a young upcomer like Sony Michelle to help your RB2 spot would do you wonders. Yeah, his wide receiver three is actually Zay Jones. So Yeah, yeah Zay Jones. Yeah, uh, I think that's a solid move as well. No, I like it, guys. And remember, the guys at CPMC will give you that analysis plus more. So check them out. All right, guys, that's the end of the show. Where can they follow you guys again? Uh, you can follow me at BendrezFF on Twitter. And I'm at FFBigCat on Twitter. And I'm at OneKingFFB. Follow us, follow the show, create a rank, and create a rank.com. 
everybody. Good day.